Hello, everybody. My name is Matt Carter. I'm the pastor of preaching here. Um, today's going to be a little bit different. These guys are going to stay up on the stage with me, just sitting here for a few minutes, looking pretty, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. <clears throat> but we are continuing our series today that we've been calling This Matters. And what we've been doing is looking at over the last few weeks at why we do some of the things that we do as a church. I think a lot of times us pastoral types, we, we do our thing and we take for granted that people that are coming in the doors know why we do what we do. And a lot of times they just don't. Things like preaching and worship and, and baptism and the Lord's Supper, you understand the whys of those things, but a lot of us don't. And so in the first week, I talked about preaching. I talked about why as a pastor, it's so critical that I preach the word of God and not just my opinion. Uh, last week, Pastor Hall M talked about worship and, and how every single solitary one of us in this room, whether we're believer or not, we're created by God to be worshipers and that we are worshipers and why we sing in church, that what, that's what he talked about. And then today, what I'm going to talk about is what the church has historically called the sacraments, the sacraments, which we believe here at the Austin Stone are the Lord's Supper and Baptism. All right. Now, if you grew up um, in the Catholic Church, and a lot of people kind of have Catholic backgrounds and that sort of thing, you probably heard this thing called the sacraments and seen that it's a much longer list. Um, but here, and in, in, in traditionally, Protestants believe it's two things. It's the Lord's Supper and Baptism. And here's why we believe that it's confined just to those two. is because those were the two things that were instituted by Jesus during his ministry. They were instituted by Jesus as this. Now, listen. They're signs and they're symbols of the new covenant that God was making with us in the New Testament. The Lord's Supper, baptism, they're signs and they're symbols of the new covenant or the new promise that God is making with us in the New Testament. Now, let me explain what I mean by that for just a second. <clears throat> On the night that Jesus, or rather the night before Jesus was crucified, he took his disciples into the upper room and he was celebrating what was the traditional Passover uh, feast or the Jewish Passover meal. And when he got to the Passover meal where they would traditionally eat the bread, he held up the bread and he broke it. And he says, guys, I want you to understand something. He breaks from tradition. He breaks the bread and he said, this bread does not mean what you think it means. This bread is a picture of my broken body. It's going to be broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then he got to the uh, part where they would normally drink from the cup. And he broke through to, uh, from tradition again, and he held it up, and he said, Guys, I want you to understand that this, is, this cup is a picture of my blood, which is going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. It's a new covenant, he said, in my blood. And he said, as often as you do that, you take it, you eat it, you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Now, why did he say that? Why did he say that? Why does Jesus, on this night, the night before he's crucified, why does he reinterpret the Passover meal that's been exactly the same for centuries and start talking about this new covenant and this new promise with God for the forgiveness of sins? Why does he do that? What does he mean? Well, let me ask you a question, a little history lesson here. Back in the day, before Jesus died on the cross in the Old Testament, how were people forgiven of their sin? 
The scripture says that all of us have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect, and therefore, because of our sin, we are separated from relationship with God. And how did a person get in a right relationship with God back in the day before Jesus died on the cross? Well, in the Old Testament, the way that you had your sins forgiven was through a sacrificial system. <laughs> the way that it worked, that if you sinned, you realize there was separation from God, then God offered a plan where you could offer a sacrifice to him to cover your sins. And the way that worked is you would take a lamb or a similar animal that was spotless. It was without blemish. And you could kill the lamb. You could shed its blood. And the reason that something had to die is because, hear this, death is always the payment for sin. Death is always the result of sin, and death is always the payment for sin. So God said, look, even though you sinned, I will allow a spotless lamb to die in your place. And when the Lord saw the blood of the lamb, he would forgive you of your sins. Okay, now, that was awesome. Thank you, God, for that. But inevitably, what would happen after the person sinned, made their sacrifice, and their sins were forgiven? Well, they'd get up the next morning, and they'd sin again. Right? They just had all their sins forgiven, but they'd get up and they'd yell at their wife or they'd kick the dog or they'd just do whatever, do something stupid, and then they would need a new sacrifice. And so the next time around, they would, they would have to offer another sacrifice and God would forgive them of their sins, but what would happen? They'd get up the next day and they'd sin again, and then they'd have to sacrifice again, and then they'd sin again, and then they'd have to sacrifice again, and it was this big, vicious cycle. But then Jesus comes along. And he says, I have a new covenant for you. I have a new promise for you that God is making for the forgiveness of your sins. I've got a new thing going on here for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what Jesus did is he came to this earth, and by the way, he was God in the flesh, fully man and fully God, came himself to this planet and he lived a perfect life. The scripture says he was without sin. In other words, he was spotless. He was without blemish. <clears throat> and then that spotless lamb of God, Jesus, lived a perfect life and then he died, not the lamb, but he died shedding his blood on the cross. And so that when you and I when we trust in his work on the cross for the once and for all sacrifice of our sins, not only are our sins uh, forgiven that we've already committed, but what the scripture says is because of the blood of Jesus, all of our sins that we've ever committed are also forgiven. He's a once and for all sacrifice for our sin. And that's why John the Baptist, his cousin, when he saw Jesus walking down the road, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist said, you're, you're, you're like the sacrificial lambs of the Old Testament, but you're so much better because you're the Lamb that completely takes away the sin of the world. And so now, 2,000 years later, as followers of Christ and as the church, we still partake, listen to this, we still partake of the Lord's Supper as a sign and as a symbol and as a reminder of the new covenant that we have through Jesus' blood, which offers us complete forgiveness of our sin, restores us completely back into relationship with God so that we can spend eternity with him. Church, that is why we do the Lord's Supper, okay? Now, <clears throat> what I want to do with the rest of this message 
is I'm gonna walk us through one little section of scripture. If you wanna turn there with me, it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. We're gonna look at three quick verses. And, and as you're doing that, listen to this. There's three things in this little section of scripture that tells us, listen, not only why we do the Lord's Supper, but it explains to us the things that you and I ought to be doing when we come to the table of the Lord. So I think a lot of us in our minds, and we've done this our whole lives, we've just come and maybe you grew up in a church that did communion a lot or, or, and you've just come and, and you walk up and put some bread in your mouth and, and drink from the cup and just go on about your life. But what we're gonna see is the scripture is gonna be very, very clear that when you come to the table and you take of the bread and you drink from the cup, there is, there's some very specific things that ought to be occurring in your heart. There's very specific things that you should be thinking about and doing when you come to the Lord's Supper, all right? And so we're gonna go through these things and what's different about today is after I get through uh, the first point, Aaron and the band are gonna come up, we're gonna stand up and we're gonna sing a song that helps us internalize what we just saw through the scripture and what we just heard from the Bible. I'll come back up, teach a small point, we'll sing again, and then we'll do the Lord's Supper together. And so that's what this is gonna look like. <clears throat> so let's look at the text together, 1 Corinthians chapter eleven twenty three, And we're gonna look at the first thing that the scripture says you and I ought to be doing when we come and we remember the new covenant that we have through Jesus' blood. Let's read verse 23 together. This is Paul making commentary in 1 Corinthians about the words of Christ. In verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, in verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus said, when you come and you take the bread and you put it in your mouth, remember me. Jesus said, when you, when you come to the table and you, and you pick up the cup and you drink from it, do that in remembrance of me. The key word there in understanding what it is that we're supposed to be do, actually doing when we come to the Lord's table is found in the word remember. It's found in the word remember. And in the scripture, there are two very different meanings of the word remember. There's one that, that uh, Christ uses here and there's one that he does not. I first wanna talk about the word and the meaning of remember that he's not talking about here. One of, the, one of the meanings of the word remember, the one that Jesus doesn't use, is simply to remember in the sense that you recall the, the facts of an event. You have an event in your life, and you can say you remember it just by simply recalling the facts. I'll give you an illustration. I want to talk about my mother's death. My mom died, and I'm going I'm to remember just recalling the facts of her death. My mother died in a hospital in Athens, Texas, on November 2nd, 2001. She died of a bowel obstruction that ended up poisoning her system, which caused organ failure, and she died, and I was there. Okay, pretty tragic event in my life, the death of my mother, and I just remembered it. 
in the sense that I recalled the facts of her death. But that is not the meaning of the word that Jesus uses here in the sense of the word remember. <clears throat> the other meaning of the word remember is this. It's not just to recall the facts of an event, but to remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about when he says remember me at the Lord's Supper is this. It's to recapture. It's to bring to mind and recapture all of the significance and all of the emotion of that experience as a human being possibly can. That's what he's saying. Remember, you bring to mind, listen, you bring to mind and, and you recapture all of the significance and all of the emotion of an experience as you possibly can. So for me to remember my mother's death in the sense that Jesus was talking about it would be to go back in my mind and in my heart to the moment where I got the phone call from my doctor that had been my doctor my entire life. <clears throat> and he said, Matt, I know your mother's been sick and we didn't think it was that big of a deal, but man, I think you need to get here and you need to get here fast. Matt, I don't think she's gonna make it. For me to remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about it, to remember what I felt in that moment when my heart sank and I ran in the room and told my wife, I gotta go, my mom's dying. To remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about is to remember what it was like and what I felt on that drive from Houston, Texas to Athens when I was driving as fast as I could, crying most of the way and begging God to let me get there before she passed. To remember in the sense of, of what Jesus says when, when he's talking about remembering would, would be to feel again the nausea I felt when I walked in the room and saw the color of my mother and knew that the doctor was right. To remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about remember means to go back in my mind, in my heart to her bedside and, and see the tubes coming out of her mouth and hear the noises of the machines as I asked my mother if she wanted me to read scripture over her and her nodding her head because she couldn't speak. To remember in the sense that Jesus is saying that we are to remember is to remember what it was like and what I felt as, I, as, I, as my lips were quivering. I could barely get the words out. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. To remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about remembering would be to hear in my mind the loud wail and groan of my grandmother that she made when the doctor came out and said, you need to go in the room because she only has a few minutes to live. To remember in the sense that Jesus is talking about remembering would be remember what it felt like to run in a full sprint with my father down the hallway only to see in the room that they're doing chest compressions on her and then for my six foot four, 250 pound father to collapse in my arms and, and me have to hold him up. You see the difference between the two? One is just recalling the facts. The other is to go in your mind and recapture all of the emotion and the significance of the event. And that is the way that Jesus means it. When he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He's not saying just, just come up, walk up to the table, grab some bread, throw it in your mouth, drink the juice and remember, oh yeah, Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago for, for my sins. What Jesus is saying, he said, when, when you come here, I want you to remember me. He's saying when you come to the table, I want you to come to the cross. And I want you to come to the foot of the cross and I want you to stay there until you remember.
remember the sacrifice. Remember what I went through. Let your mind, let your heart go there. Don't just come and move on. But remember. And so what I want us to do, Aaron's going to come forward, and I want us to go ahead and stand. Let's do that right now. And I want us to sing a song together that's going to start preparing our hearts to come to the Lord's table. Why don't you go ahead and bow your head before we start to sing, and, and let's go ahead and do that. Let's, for the believers in this room, let's go to the cross. Maybe you've been doing the Lord's Supper your whole life, and, and you didn't ever know really what he meant when he said, remember me when you do this. Go to the foot. Remember the blood. Remember the pain. Remember that a man who had never sinned became sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of God. Remember that this man who had never known the sting or the shame of sin had never been separated from his heavenly father for one second in all of eternity was separated from his heavenly father because he became your sin. Go there right now. As we prepare for the table, let's remember the body and let's remember the blood. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure sing that again think about that how deep how vast the father's love and send jesus to the cross Ashamed I hear my mom 
So that's step one. When you come to the table, you come and you remember. Here's the second thing the scripture says that we're to do when we come to the Lord's table. In 1 Corinthians eleven 25, I'll read that again. He said, in the same way that he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And this next verse, there's really three aspects to the Lord's Supper. There's the past aspect where we remember what he did at the cross, and then there's this present aspect. There's this other thing that we're supposed to be doing when we come to the table. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. Been to seminary twice. I've been preaching for 21 years, and I've read this verse before. I never knew what it meant until this week. And I would, I would venture to guess that this other thing that we're supposed to be doing when we come to the Lord's table, there's a lot of us in this room that have never heard or thought about it too. Check this out. In verse 26, he says, for as often, and Paul, this Paul steps in here, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. First thing the Lord says, when you come to the table, you, you remember me. You come to the foot of the cross, and then Paul says there's something else that ought to be happening in your mind, and there's something else that ought to be happening in your heart. When you come to the table, you need to realize that when you eat the bread and you drink from the cup, you are proclaiming his 
death. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Here's, here's what it does not mean. It doesn't mean that when you <coughs> come to the Lord's Supper that you're preaching about his death or, or you're shouting about his death in the sense of the word proclaim. Um, it, it means something completely different. Notice what Paul says here. Notice the wording there. He says, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're proclaiming his death. Okay, now here's the question that helps us get to the bottom of what that means. Have you ever wondered for half a second why we actually eat and drink this? Have you ever wondered that? Like, why do we eat the bread? Why do we drink the, from the cup? I mean, it, it would have been just as easy for Jesus to say, hey, here's what I want you to do. You know, look at the broken bread, look at the cup, and, and remember me. Why does he actually ask us to put it in our bodies? Well, there's a lot of denominations and, and backgrounds, religious backgrounds, where they, they think that, that the elements, that the bread and actually becomes the body of Jesus and, and the wine or the, or the juice actually becomes the blood of Jesus and you get to put it in your body and stay there for a while. That's not at all what the scripture is saying here at all. But here's what the, here's what the scripture is saying. And listen carefully, it's kind of complicated. When we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we are taking that inside of us as a reminder of the death of Jesus that is also now in us. In other words, hear this. What this verse is saying is that when you take the Lord's Supper, you aren't just remembering Jesus' death, but you are proclaiming that you are joining Jesus in his death. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. What, the, what this verse is saying is that when you come to the table and you remember Jesus, you aren't just stopping at remembering Jesus, but you're also proclaiming that you are joining Christ Jesus in his death. Now, here's what I mean by that. And we're going to look at the words of Christ himself to understand what I mean. So Matt, don't turn there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. <clears throat> Listen to the words of Christ, what he talks about. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, all right, and I just want to stop right there because Jesus is speaking to us. What he's saying is, hey, if there's anybody here that wants to be a follower of Christ, and I got a feeling that there's a handful of you guys in here that would raise your hand and say, yep, I want to be a follower of Christ. What Jesus is about to tell you is what the requirements are for you to be a follower of Jesus. And so we ought to, ought to be listening here because he's going to lay it out for us and say, all right, here's what you got to do. Y'all ready? Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, and by the way, that, that means it's not optional, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He did not say, if, if you want to be my disciple, go to church, pray a prayer, and then live your life any way you want to live. Jesus said, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. You must, you got to, there's this thing you got to do. You got to deny yourself and then you have to take up your cross and then you can follow me. What does Jesus mean when he says you got to take up your cross? Was Jesus meaning that, that what we ought to do as Christians is that when we make the decision to follow him, that we pray a prayer, and then we go to Home Depot and get a couple of two-by-fours and some nails, nail them together, and then drag a cross around. Is that what he's saying? No. What does he mean? Deny yourself. Take up your cross, and then you can follow him. 
Well, back in the first century, what did people do on crosses? They died. What did people do on crosses? They died. And so when Jesus is saying to us, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross, what he is saying is this, that in the same way, what Jesus is saying is in the same way that he died to this world, in the same way that he died to sin, is the exact same way that you and I, through his power, are to die to this world and to die to the sin in our life. Christian, listen, church, listen, what it means for you to be a Christian, what it looks like for you to be a Christian, is not for you to receive forgiveness of your sins through his blood, and then you go live any way you want to live. What it looks like for you to be a Christian is for you to receive forgiveness through his blood and then for you to pick up your cross and for the rest of your life, you die to your sin. You die to the things of this world. That is what it looks like to be a believer. And so, and so, when we eat of the bread, when we come to this table and we eat from the bread and we drink of the cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death in us. We are saying when we walk up, I am turning from my sin. When you put the bread in your mouth, you're saying, I am dying to my sin. When you walk up here and you partake of the elements, you're saying, this means right here, right now, I am picking up my cross and I am turning from the sin in my life. Right here, right now. That's what it means. You remember Jesus and you proclaim his death in your life. And by the way, and by the way, that is why non-believers should not take the Lord's Supper. That's why non-believers should not take the Lord's Supper. And here's why. If you're a non-believer, there has never been a moment in your life where you have trusted in the work of Jesus shed blood on the cross to forgive you of your sins, and therefore it is impossible for you to proclaim his death over sin in your life. If you're a non-believer, we're so glad you're here. We'd ask you not take it because there's never been a moment where you've said, Lord, I wanna turn from my sin. I wanna receive your forgiveness through his blood and right now I'm gonna pick up my cross and die to my sin. There's never been a moment where that's happened and so we'd ask that you not do that. Second, and I want you to hear me very clearly, this is also why I think the scripture is clear that if you are a believer and you are walking in unrepentant, habitual sin, you should not take the Lord's Supper, okay? You, you cannot proclaim the Lord's death over your life. You cannot say, I am picking up my cross and dying to myself and turning from my sin if there is ongoing, unrepentant, habitual sin in your life. What this table is doing as you come, you say, Lord, I remember you. I remember the cross. I remember what you did. And the second thing that ought to be happening in your heart and mind in that moment is you saying right here, right now, I'm taking up my cross and I'm turning from the sin of my life. All right? So let's go ahead and stand together. And the song that we're about to sing is a song that reminds us of our call to die. 
that in the same way that Jesus died to himself so that we could have life, the scripture is so clear that we're to take up our cross, turn from the sin in our life, and only in dying from our sin can we truly, truly live. So let's remember Jesus and let's proclaim his death in us before we come to the table. the cross and then declare this it deserves our whole attention our whole heart Oh 
know, and I think I would be remiss. You guys can have a seat. I think that I would be remiss today if I didn't take just a second before we went to this last point, which is about a minute long, and then we come to the table for me to just give anybody in this room that it kind of hits you today that maybe you've been coming to church for a while or maybe you're new to the church, but there, there's never been a moment of time in your life where you said, Lord, I, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And you just asked for his forgiveness and, and said, Lord, I need the sacrifice of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus' blood to forgive me of all my sin. I wanna just give you the opportunity to do that now. If you're, if you're sitting here and that's never happened, then, then you'll never understand what we mean when we sing at the top of our lungs that a cross is wonderful. The reason that the cross is wonderful is because it is the only place that we can be restored back into relationship with God and then truly live. And so right now, just in the quietness of your heart and the best way you know how, just say, Lord, I pray through Jesus' blood, you'd forgive me of my sins. I wanna die to myself. I wanna pick up my cross and Jesus right now, I wanna follow you. Some of you have tried everything else in the world and you know there's nothing to it. Today's the day. It's a past aspect of the Lord's Supper. We come, we take the bread, we drink of the cup, and we remember Jesus. There's a present aspect of the Lord's Supper. We, we come, and as we take it, we proclaim the Lord's death in us, that, we are, that we're turning from our sin, and that we're picking up our cross, and we're following him. And then the last aspect of the Lord's Supper is a future one, a future one, a looking forward. And I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul says, you do this, you remember Jesus, you proclaim his death and you do it until he comes. Here's what he's talking about is this future aspect of the Lord's table. What Paul's talking about is that there is coming a day. There is coming a day that the Bible says when all the stuff and all the junk of this world is gonna be over, all the death all the cancer, all the funerals, like the, the little girl that I did, just did on Friday, all the racism, all the pain, all the stupid elections, amen? All the junk of this world, it's gonna be over. And the reason it's gonna be over is because Jesus Christ is coming back. There's coming a day, I'm telling you, where he's gonna come busting through the clouds and the trumpet is gonna sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. We will meet him together with all the saints and we will be with him together forever. And on that day, that day, it's called the marriage supper of the lamb. Jesus talked about it on the last night. He held up a cup and he said, boys, I want you to know something. This is the last night I'm gonna drink from this here on this planet. The next time I'm gonna drink from this cup is the day that I'm gonna drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. He's talking about the marriage supper of the lamb the day when you and I and all who are the bride of Christ are gathered not at this table, but at that table in glory. And you and I on that day are gonna kick off eternity with the best and most amazing wedding feast in the history of the universe. 
And when you come to this table today, that's what it's meant to remind you of. That's what it's meant to put in your heart a longing for is that day. So when you come today, remember Jesus. Proclaim his death. And remember the wedding supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb that's coming. That's what we do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you didn't leave us in our sin. You could have, you didn't. We thank you that you came to this earth. You put on our flesh, our injured flesh. You walked around on this earth. Your feet got dirty with the ground you created. You allowed yourself to be crucified so that we through your blood might have life. I pray for any of those who have never trusted in you as their Lord and Savior. I pray they do it right now. And I pray for all in this room who are about to come to the table. I pray they'd remember you. They'd proclaim your death. And they'd do it until you come. We love you, Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen.